Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. We are so excited to be here. I'm Dr. Kelly Tanner, and I have with me the most fabulous Tina Clark, also adored as teacher Tina, today on our episode. Thank you so much for coming on today, Tina. Thank you, Kelly, or as I lovingly call you, Dr. K. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We have a mutual friend, and it's always like Kelly and Kelly, so she's to discern between us as Dr. K or Kelly. Um, We always work through that, but then she's got a great system. She's, you know, because that's who she is. Um, So Tina is with us today. Well, first, Tina, I, I wanted to mention to our audience who's listening that you have a live course coming up with the Next Level Dental Hygiene on February the 17th, and it's about the basics of local anesthesia. Tina is the guru, the expert in local anesthesia. She's going to be, if you want to register for it, you can go on the webpage of Next Level Dental Hygiene. It is broadcasting live 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 Eastern Standard Time on February 17th. It's You never want to miss Tina when she speaks. She is the most dynamic, even I've seen you in person, but online too. I don't still, I don't know how you make that happen. She just makes it happen. I'm like, how do you know how to do this? So please join us. She is a true asset to our education, to our field of educators and all that we have in our education and available to you all. So Tina. Tell us, Tina is, um, she serves right now in many roles. She's a clinician. She is an educator. She is an entrepreneur twice. Yep. And I think that sums it up, right? Am I missing, and you know, all things that you do. All the things, yeah. So I also am the professional educator for Waterpick in my local area as well. And um, and then, you know, I, I'm, I volunteer with the Hygiene Association and, you know, all the things. I think maybe I, I have a little bit of squirrelitis, you know? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your journey. Like, where did you start with all this? Is you, you know, where you are today, is that where you thought you would be? Um. I will say yes and no. I will I, honestly, yes and no. So I originally didn't think I'd ever end up in the realm of dental hygiene at all, but um, I did have this idea, this inkling that I was going to be 
a speaker, a talker of some sort. Um, and that stems from high school, taking you know speech class in high school. I will tell you my first few speeches, I was so nervous. I was throwing up in the bathrooms and I was like, never again never again. I'm not going to let this fear over, you know, grab a hold of me. And so I was like, I'm dive in and figure it out. And from that moment, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a communications major. And, you know, I'm going to go into public relations and I'm going to rep athletes because you know I love exercise. I love fitness. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be Michael Jordan's rep, right? Him, Nike, me, we're, we're, we're going to be married. We're going to do it kind of a thing. And, um, <clears throat> Well, obviously, obviously that didn't, that's not the realm that I went in. I, I went into my college years and uh, decided that the social aspect of college was way more important than the classes, right? <laughs> you know, that happens. Can be, can be. It can be. And um, I found myself kind of wandering through, through life a little. And, and I think as many of us have experienced uh, one of those moments. And I was at, in my dental chair and um, our, our, actually our good friend, Kelly, that we were just talking about earlier, she was my hygienist. And she kind of said, what are you thinking about? What do you want to do? And, and she just asked probing questions and basically did a little mini career counseling session while she was <laughs> performing her hygiene that. services. Yeah. And so I, you know, I came back, I volunteered and, and, and shadowed her and that began my process down dental hygiene. So uh, I was able to, you know, go through school and did private practice only for six years. And after six years of private practice, I was like getting itchy going, there's got to be something more, right? There's got to be something more. And with meeting reps in offices, right? You know, when the reps come in, it's great, right? They're, they're showing you all the stuff. They're feeding you candy because <laughs> like when we, we never get breaks, right? And so you're like, just, yes, I got that little Snickers to get me through the next patient. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I started talking to them. I was like, tell me about your job. Tell me what you do. How did you get it? And then just talking with other people um, that were like in the, the educational setting, like, how did you get into what you're doing? So I, I really just started reaching out to people within my immediate network that were in different aspects of the dental field and just started, how did you start doing that? And how did you start doing that? And, um, and that's kind of how what birthed the diversity of what I do was just asking questions. I just started asking questions. Yeah. Do you feel like, so what was your why? I always love that question. You know, I love right. some of my favorite questions. What was your why for dental hygiene specifically? Um, you know, I, I really wanted to do something where I could make a positive impact in people's lives. And that's still my, my mission, my drive to this day is what can I do to make a positive difference in somebody's life? And um, when I was going through that little mini career counseling session, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe nursing. And then I realized, yeah, I don't want to deal with poop. I don't want to deal with vomit. <laughs> so Bedpans. no, none of that. I was like, I can, I can handle blood. You know, I was one of those people. I could watch the surgery channel while eating a bowl full of spaghetti. You know, it was not that big of a deal. <laughs> so I was like saliva, blood, I can handle that. And so that's, that's where that you know, realm went with, with having hygiene with as the career. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So then you practiced and then what did you do after that? Did you go back to more schooling and then what is your degree in there? And then where did you, where did that kind of open up the next opportunity for you with where right. you saw was your potential? Right. So honestly, right at that six year mark, as I was saying, I was getting kind of itchy fingers and uh, you know, thankfully I had created uh, 
network of friends through being a part of the Oregon Dental Hygienist Association, just from working with people through there. And um, found out that the, the local community college in my state was going, it was expanding and was opening up the very first in the nation distance education site. And they were looking to hire somebody. And, you know, it was brought to me and I figured, you know, I just want to go through the interview process just to learn about it. You know, and I had, I graduated with my bachelor's in dental hygiene, you know, I, you know, back in 2001. So I already had my bachelor's degree. And when I went through the interview process, we talked and, you know, they started asking me these questions. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I would have to research that so I could give a proper answer because I, I haven't looked at that for a while. Or I was like, well, I would really want to be coaching them. I don't know if I want to be a teacher. I want to be more of a coach. I just had those kind of conversations. And they called me on my way home from the interview and offered me the job. And I was like, are you? I was like, wait a second. You realize I have zero teaching experience, right? <laughs> zero. <laughs> And they said, exactly. We want somebody who understands what it's like to be the learner and who wants to coach and guide and not somebody who's just going to profess and talk at, but be with somebody. And I think the fact that, um, one, having the opportunity to be brave enough just to go through an interview process without the idea of getting the job, just going, I'm going to go through this just for the experience. And yeah, it's something that, you know, I have dreams and aspirations for, to do, but you know, just for the experience and being myself in the interview and being completely authentic, they were able to see who I was and what I could bring to the table. So I think that really opened up that journey and then began my love for understanding how do we learn and how do I be a better educator? And then it was like, well, if you want to do more than just this aspect of teaching, you need to get your master's degree. So then I got my master's degree in 2013. I did a master's in education in adult uh, so as a master's in education with curriculum emphasis. <laughs> wow, that's that's awesome. And probably that set you up for building your educational courses. So right. be before before we transition into that next little segment of your yeah. life story, your timeline, what do you think? So you went from clinician, you said, I'm just going to go into this interview for experience. Yep. And once you got that that position, what is it that was so surprising to you as an educator that maybe you hadn't thought of before that you could give advice on to those who may be thinking about the same path? Right. Um, well, I think for me, uh, the things that I, I didn't expect would happen was how emotionally tied to my student success I was going to be. I was very emotionally tied because it was just me and five students. So I think my, my, my educator journey might be a little bit different than others, but I was very, very emotionally tied to their success. And like I took their um, downfalls, their what I call learning moments, just as hard as they did. And I took their successes probably even better. <laughs> I was like, yes, that means I taught you right, right? But um, so that really surprised me. And that um, how much I had forgotten that I learned. That was another thing. I was like, well, yeah, no, I know this. And then I was like, oh, Cracker Jacks. <laughs> nope. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. And trying to find the humility to not pretend that I knew the answer and just to, you know, go through that learning process of just saying, that's a great question. Let's look it up. 
I got to look it up. I have no idea. So I think that was another big thing that I had to release off of my shoulders that I wasn't the one that was responsible for knowing every single answer, for knowing all the information that really it was my opportunity to be a guide on how to find the answers. Because, you know, we put this weight on our shoulders, I think, as educators, that it's our responsibility to feed the students. But I think what we have to realize, it's our responsibility to teach our students how to feed themselves mm, and where good. to find that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then once you're in that clinical setting and you're teaching mm -hmm. clinic and mm -hmm. you're going through all the motions, and I'm thinking about maybe you were doing this probably for at least the first year at during that year, what were some of the things I know I'm putting you on the spot, what were maybe some of the things that the tips that you would give those new students to say, listen, when you go out and you start practicing, here's some things that you really need to be prepared for, like, you know, just with yeah. teammates and not just the time, but all the things where you transition from a school setting. Yeah. But what are some human skills that you would say, you just got to remember this? Right. Um, <clears throat> one, I was, I would definitely, I was I didn't grow up in the dental field like some people do where they went like, oh, I was a you know office manager, dental assistant, and then transitioned or sterilization tech and then transitioned. I literally went in into dental hygiene. So I had to learn at that moment the importance of being a team player. And even though I didn't know the education in, of everybody else, that um, that was kind of a school of hard knocks for me. And so um, just to remind all of the students when they are going out that whether or not they were in a different part of a dental team prior to becoming a dental hygienist and going through school is to honor and respect the skill sets that everybody brings to the table inside that office. Um, that that was like the biggest thing. And to be grateful anytime somebody helps you, whether it's their job description or not, if they're coming in and it's their job description to come in and perio chart with you, that you thank them. For them, for them coming in and doing that. Because just like we have a list of a million things to do, they have a list of a million things to do. And that they were able to stop in the middle of something that they were doing to help and focus and care for the patient, that, that we have to show that gratitude. I would say that was probably like the biggest push that I was trying to give out. Yeah, that 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 level of appreciation, because I think mm -hmm. that in dental offices, when you, well, with anyone, and when you show them that you appreciate them, it builds that trust, they, it acknowledges them and their energy that they put into that right. for you, with you as a part of your and your team effort. So that's, that's good. Right. And Kelly, you know, you I know you know this, and, and I think, you know, we've heard a lot of different podcasts, articles, and TV shows, all these different things about that most people will stay at a job, not because of the economic return, but for the personal return that they get, that they feel like they're appreciated. They feel like they're making a difference. They feel like their work is valuable. And, you know, I think when we can express that to others, then they're going to express it back to us, which will increase our own personal job satisfaction. Yeah. It's a part that when you're, when you're caught in your day with your blinders on and doing the things that we need to do that you miss sometimes just say thank you oh my gosh yeah just thank you for thinking of me and you took yeah. care of that and that's what we call the dental handoff right like right. thank you for taking care of yeah. me it's that it's that unspoken request that just takes care of it and makes sure the patient's taken care of well exactly. thank you for sharing that so yeah then, absolutely here you are you've gotten your master's and tell us what happens 
All right. So I, um, so the school that I originally started working with, it, that was a federally funded program and that closed down. So I transitioned to another program that had just opened up a second site right near my home and started teaching there. And so it was, you know, clinical and didactic classes. And that's when I started getting my master's degree because I needed to have that for the didactic portion. And then, you know, I, my educational career flourished. I became like the program director of that site for a few years. And then I also started having people reaching out to me, asking me to speak at local study clubs, you know, former students saying, Hey, you know, you were so great at teaching me this and this, you know, can you come and speak to my office or this group of people about this topic? And so that kind of began my process of diving into the communication skill sets that I had originally learned and my professional continuing education speaking journey. And usually it's centered around either uh, anatomy, local anesthesia, or medical emergencies, because those were the big three classes that I taught. And um, so that's where that's where that topic kind of came from. Now, Kelly, before I go on, I do have to say this because, um, you know, I, I am a firm believer in understanding our gifts and understanding that, you know, to be able to say, you know, hold your, hold our head high that with the gifts that we have. And it took me a long time to appreciate my capacity to be a teacher. And, you know, when we talk about those, you know, humiliating and humbling moments, my very, very first year, my very first year of doing classroom instruction, um, it was a head and neck anatomy course. And I felt the weight of the responsibility that like these students had to know every single thing from the textbook about anatomy. It was my responsibility. They will never pass their board exams or anything like they won't, they won't be successful. This is a core basic class. And so I did exactly what you're not supposed to do, right? I put all the words on the slide. I bullet pointed the textbook, put it all up, and I basically read for the slide. So I had, it was like a live audiobook <laughs> session every single time. And, you know, with the end of the term, you know, the course evaluations happen, especially if you're newer faculty, you know, those are mandatory. On a scale of one to five, five being your superstar rock star, one being, eh, I think I got like a point five. <laughs> like I was so that is bad. so hard to believe with that where you so are. Bad. It was so bad, Kelly. You know, I read those course evaluations and I closed my office door and I cried. And I just cried. And you know, I had my pity party moment. And then I was like, okay, I can only get better. It can only get better. And that's when I dived into what do I need to do differently? And and what, you know, what do I need to do? And so I just started going, well, how do people learn? How do people learn? And once I understood how people learn, then I was able to express the information in a much uh, more eloquent and interactive manner. <laughs> well, you definitely are that now. So you, you had to teach yourself how to teach. I had to teach myself how to teach. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and I thought that I was going to learn that in my my master's degree course, because I'm like, oh, it's a master's degree in education, but it was a degree in understanding curriculum development. And that is so different than sharing knowledge. Right. Developing the curriculum is so different than delivering than delivering. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh my gosh. That's, and so you obviously have overcome that. I mean, cause you are an, a brilliant educator. You Thank truly, you. I've been on many of your courses and I'm just going, how does she know all of this? I mean, it's, it's like you say, I've 
forgotten a lot of it where you just use it for boards and it goes dump on right. the other side of your ear. So then you got better. Um, mm -hmm. You were, you're still very active in your, your association yeah. where you are now. And then how did teacher Tina come up? Yeah. So how did teacher Tina come up? Well, again, another humbling moment in my life. And I think this is actually probably one of the first times that this will actually be recorded um, for all to hear is, um, you know, I went through and I was a program director for a couple of years. And I will say that um, I was good at it, but I had zero passion for it. And it was evident. And when the school said, mm, you don't belong in this role. And here it was, I'm like, I thought that my world was coming to an end. You know, my life was shattering. Like, oh, all the things like, you know, this is the dream of an educator, right? You go up and you work your way up and now you're going to be a program director. And, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into it. I thought I did all these things. And then it was like, nope, you know, basically God was like, that's not the route for you. And so I had to do some major soul searching about what I want to do. And I realized how much love and passion I had about teaching, not just students, but licensed professionals. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start teaching the way I want to teach. I want to teach the way I want to teach. And um, right around that time, you know, just the opportunity started coming my way uh, for different, like, understanding learning platforms and understanding business. And I was like, okay, the, this is coming to me because I'm open to it. And I just, I took, again, I want to, I wanted to experience what is it like? I was open enough. And I have to say, I think I encourage people to be brave enough when they see those opportunities, just to take that first step and just check it out and then take the second step and continue understanding. And that's where that came from. And and so it was like all of those times of doing professional CE courses combined with my passion for teaching in the classroom. I was like, well, I'm just going to create my own platform where people can come and get quality education and feel encouraged and empowered to take it on and do it themselves. So that's where that came from. That took so much strength because as you're talking about, you're like, oh yeah, we're in my world. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just go on to do this. That's not how it happens. <laughs> That's not how it happens. <laughs> no, it was basically, I was, it was kind of one of those like uh, life moments where it's like, okay, this door is, is closed. Like, and you could choose to seek that pathway somewhere else, or you could try to do something new and different. And so I was like, well, let's just see what new and different looks like. And, you know, my, my career satisfaction has skyrocketed. My, um, as my mom has said, like the worry lines on my forehead are a lot less than they ever were before. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where that from. And, and I do, I, Kelly, I do have to tell you this, that the name teacher Tina actually came from one of my friends and uh, former faculty members with me, she used to always say, um, like when somebody, a student would come and ask her a question, she's like, that's a great question. Let's go talk to teacher Tina. Let's go find teacher Tina. And they'd be like, teacher Tina, teacher Tina. And, um, and, and that's how it started. That's how it started happening. And then the rest of my coworkers, they would say, oh, te hey, teacher Tina, can you come? We have a question. And, and they would start asking me, how did you, how would you explain this concept? Or what did you do when you had a student ask you this question? How did you explain it to them? And so that's where the name Teacher Tina came from. I, I didn't know that story. That's so cool. I remember yeah. when you were coming up with the logo and, and all that. So how long would you say if you had to guess? Because sometimes people think that these aha moments mm -hmm. that either they take like five years to come up with or they happen overnight. Like this, 
this pivot that you made right. going from this program director position into doing teacher Tina and then now to where you are still doing clinical and still, still doing, doing clinical. all the things. Yeah. Um, so what, how long did it take you from that program director, that door closing to the other one opening and just say, I'm going to try this and I have nothing to lose? Um, well, I would say that I, I would say that I was one of the ones that kind of tiptoed into it. I was, for me, it was like, okay, um, I already, I already know, like I can, I can always continue teaching and I can always continue to clinical. So I wasn't worried about that. So I had, I had the blessings of at least knowing I had income coming in. So it wasn't like this, um, like break it or, you know, lose it or, you know, whatever. What is it? Like I wasn't going to die from it. Use I can't it, think. Use it or lose it? I don't know. Whatever the saying is. There's a <laughs> saying that goes with it, but I can't think of it right now. Oh, cool. well, that's, that's the way it is. Anyway, um, so I, I just kind of tiptoed into it and I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to create this Instagram account and just start sharing tips on that. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, oh, well, oh, I can try to do this learning platform. And honestly, um, I had all of this stuff ready and I had all these ideas and I was talking to friends about like, well, what ideas do you have? And the, I would say the, um, the light that the match that really sparked it was I was supposed to do a continued education course. I think it was like March 19th of, of 2020. And, you know, then it was like, boom. And literally yeah, I was like, was like the next day, they're like, everything is shutting down. And so I told this group, I was like, listen, I already have this learning platform. I can just let me just record it. And everybody in your group can come in and they can see this, see the course and get their credit that way. And that's what we did. And so it was literally taking a moment of how do I solve this problem? These people still need their continued education. And I still want that money. <laughs> On, in all honesty, I'm like, I still want that money to the, from that I was going to get from speaking to them. And I was like, I still want to serve these people. They asked for this information. So I have everything right here. I'd, it would be, it was just low hanging fruit. So I just went ahead and recorded it and then sent it off to them. And everybody was like, wow, this was great. This was so awesome. Thank you so much. And that was like, you know, and it was a, a head and neck course. It was like just the fundamental basics of head and neck anatomy and what you need to look at to understand for your intro and extra oral exam, like going really back to the basics. And so then I was like, well, that worked. Why don't I go ahead and record one on anesthesia? Because I get a lot of questions about that and I can put in videos of injections and really break it down step by step by step on how do we go about and do these injections. And that really kind of snowballed for that whole thing. And so really, I have to say that it was the COVID shutdown that kind of just highlighted that aspect of what I do with my career. Yeah. So you were, it was something, it was a thought, and then you already had a course ready and then you leaned into it and you said, mm -hmm. I'm going to solve a problem. Yep. I'm going to solve a problem. Let's see. And I think so many people can get stuck in being perfect. And I think that we almost benefit from being imperfect. Uh, to embrace the, I, I, I don't want to be perfect. I want right. to be imperfect. And yes, I want to know the best way to do things, of course. Right. And just like doing this podcast, every time I learn something different, it's like, oh, I need headphones. Oh, now I need sound things. It's just right. what you do. We're, we're learners. So build on it and try not to get stuck where you are for yeah, too long. Just don't unpack there, you know? <laughs> right. And, and I think that once I got over the fact that 
for these recorded courses that it had to be this Hollywood thing. Once I got over that idea is, was that, you know, if I'm standing in front of a live audience, it's not some Hollywood production. I'm a real person per- delivering to real people. And, and I think that when we allow ourselves to be, you know, perfectly flawed and be our human selves, that that actually helps our audience trust us even more. Totally agree. Yeah. Completely agree. So you get to live the dream now. You get to have your business. You get to educate in that way with your online platform. Mm-hmm. You are a water pick educator. Mm-hmm. You're uh, still in, I mean, you're in private practice. Yep. Now. I still do so, private practice. And so what is, what would be like one piece of advice that kind of threads through all of them? And you may have already said it or alluded to it based on what it is you're going to say, but for all those roles that you serve mm-hmm. in, what would be like one final piece of advice or encouragement that you would give our audience? That I am giving whomever I am serving, whether it's my patients, whether it's my students um, in the clinic, whether it's my students on my online platform, whether it's the office that I'm doing an education or a lunch and learn with, is that I, my goal is for them to walk away feeling like I served them that they were the important part of the day and that um, my, my, all of my intentions are to create a better health for them, whether it's for the patient, a better, uh, you know, patient experience for them, whether it's students, a better injection, a, a, just to grow and be fulfilled instead of going, that was a waste of time. Mm. And so I'm, I, you know, I'm constantly asking questions like, tell me more about what are your needs? What are your needs? And figuring out if how I can serve those needs. And if I can't, here are some resources to help serve those needs. And I would, that's, I would say just continually thinking about what can you do to make a difference in that person's life? Curiosity. And, yeah. That curiosity that you're, it growing. really is. It is. And, you know, and I think sometimes with our clinical field, you know, we can get bogged down in, oh, I've got, you know, eight patients, one every hour, got to do this, 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 and this, hurry up, hurry up. Instead of pausing for a minute and realizing that we have a, a human person in our, in our chair and that they will walk away feeling like they had their best dental experience ever when we are curious about who they are, mm-hmm. right? Because when we're curious about who they are, then we know how to educate them. Yes, right? absolutely, yeah. Right. Like if we if we know that, you know, that they are a, you know, out on a tractor, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours a day doing all these different things, they're not going to have time to like pull out a string floss and use it on their teeth. You're going to have to find something else that's going to work for them. Or you could use what they're doing in their career as an analogy of what's happening in the oral health status of for them so that they can understand and comprehend it. So you know, you do. And like you said, just being curious about our patients and you'll connect with them and you'll make an impact in their life. That's totally, I think it's true with relationships with no matter where, where you end up landing, who you're with and around, 
Well, thank you so much for your time. How can people find you, Tina? How can well, people connect with you? You can always follow me on, on Instagram and Facebook at Teacher Tina RDH. Uh, you can please feel free to go to my website at teachertinardh.com and you, know, you can connect up with me all that way. And I will say, if you go to the website, teachertinardh.com, I do have a really cool little, um, well, it's not so little, it's a, an anesthesia placement guide. So I have uh, pictures of 11 injections and all of the sites of insertion and angulations and all the things you need to do. So it's like a little quick reference guide for everyone. And that's free. You just you know, put in your name and your email address and it'll be delivered right to you. That's so cool because I know that many people who are certified are like, what, what was that again? Can I do that better? Right. And they just don't have that confidence for a right. certain type of injection. So thank you for all that you do for their profession. And thank you for being with us today. And I honor you as a friend and um, a person who I always look up to. Oh, thank you, Dr. K. You know, um, you are, you are special and near and dear to my heart. And, and um, I have to say that, you know, I think it's as I've, as I've heard you say before, but it is the five people that build you up. And I'm honored that you get to be one of my core people that help build and help me grow as well. And uh, what you do and how you encourage and support everyone. I would, I can say wholeheartedly that if I didn't have the connections with you and have those moments with you, that I don't think that I would be as successful with what I'm doing today. So thank you very much. <sighs> Thank you. That just broke my heart. Thank I, 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 Oh my God. It was so great. Well, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening in. Tina, thanks again for today. And everybody have a great day. Keep rocking it.